It's for every age. It's for the children. It's for the young people. It's for uh, the slightly older people. It's for the middle age. It's for the, the elderly. Amen. But it's for, amen, every age, every walk of life. Amen. And we're thankful, amen, for the children. Uh, we want to go to the word of the Lord here this Sunday morning. I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles with me to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 16. Amen. So thankful that I can come to church and I can feel God. Hallelujah. So thankful that I can come to church and I can feel God. Something we should never... Take for granted that we can come to the house of the Lord and feel God's presence in this place. Something so refreshing about His presence. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The book of 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse number 10. And we're here reading about the story of David. 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse number 10. And we're just going to kind of jump midstream into a story here about the prophet Samuel attempting to find the next king to anoint over Israel. And again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, the Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, amen. And Samuel said unto Jesse, are here all thy children? And he said, there remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, and withal of a beautiful countenance, and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he, referring to David. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Amen. Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. We're going to skip over to chapter 22 of the same book. Amen. Just kind of progressing a little bit here in the life of David. Amen. The book of 1 Samuel, the 22nd chapter. David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Adullam. And we're thinking, wait a minute, God just anointed David to be king over Israel. Now we're reading just a few short chapters later how David is escaping for his life and hiding in a cave. He escaped to the cave Adullam and when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him and became a, and he became a captain over them and there were with him about 400 men and one more passage of scripture in the book of in the same book chapter 23 and the last verse chapter 23 verse 29 and we're going to read right through 24 and David went up from thence and dwelt in strongholds at Engedi. There are many caverns or caves in this uh, particular area through studying history. And uh, chapter 24, And it came to pass when Saul was returned from following the Philistines that it was told him, saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. 
Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. Amen. Looking for David. Heard he was in a cave. And verse number 3 says, And he came to the sheep coats by the way where was a cave. And Saul went in to cover his feet. And David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. Amen. Several different scenarios here where David is escaping, running for his life. Amen. He was previously anointed to be king over all of Israel. And yet we read just a few chapters later how he's escaping for his life. And he's in a cave hiding from King Saul. Why don't we set our Bibles aside and ask the Lord to talk to us here this morning. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word. I pray you would anoint my lips of clay. God, I pray that you would speak through me, God. Help every heart and every mind here today to be receptive to your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray for your anointing, Lord. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Thin skin, floppy muscles, misshaped eyeballs, and a weak heart. What am I talking about? Those are just some of the effects a trip to space can have on the human body. There are a few things that have been learned about the physical toll of zero gravity. Doctors at the NASA Johnson Space Center have discovered a few things about its effects, the effects of zero gravity. According to a 2015 article in the Dallas Morning News, amen, there are a few things that take place to a, a human body with the environment of zero gravity or no pressure applied to the human body. Number one, bones become thinner. Amen. Astronauts don't walk through the space station. In case you haven't learned, they float through the space station. And while that may sound like fun, it's bad news for bones that need to bear weight to stay strong. The legs and spine are especially affected by the lack of weight bearing in space. And they leach calcium and become brittle and weak in a process that is called disuse osteoporosis. It's a lot like the disease that happens as we age. Studies have shown that astronauts lose about 1-2% to of their bone mass each month they are in space. Amen. Beginning to wither away in many ways. Unless there's uh, ways they can exercise. On earth, postmenopausal women, the group at highest risk for osteoporosis, lose bone mass as a, at a rate of 0.7% per year. But astronauts lose it at 1-2% to 2 each month. At least one study showed that on a six-month mission, some Astronauts lost as many as 20% of their bone mass. 20% of their bone mass. You lose bone material to the point of being a high fracture risk, said uh, one particular uh, scientist. And much of this bone loss is reversible. And a carefully regulated diet and special exercise regime help to keep bone strong and prevent fat fractures. That's in a zero-gravity environment. Second thing that happens to bodies in a zero-gravity environment where there's no pressure or no force being applied to their lives is organs begin to move. The anatomical changes are a result of zero-gravity. The liver hangs off a piece of tissue called the mesentery. But without gravity, the liver and that piece of tissue are no longer being pulled down. It's not only the location of organs that can shift, 
but the shape of organs also change. The heart and eyeballs are two examples of organs that look different in space. A zero gravity environment. Amen. It has these repercussions on a particular on human bodies. The third thing that happens in a zero gravity environment is the heart weakens and becomes rounder. Many NASA astronauts are trained to perform heart scans using an ultrasound machine. In the past, those scans have shown that hearts become rounder and weaker in space. Like the other muscles in the body, the heart doesn't have to pump as hard in space, said Dr. Steve Gilmore, a NASA flight surgeon. That's because zero gravity isn't pulling blood down and because astronauts have 20% less fluid in their bodies when they're in space. On earth, blood pools in our legs, but in space, blood is distributed more evenly throughout the body. The kidneys sense this extra blood in the upper body and interpret it as overhydration and work hard to remove that fluid as urine. And so they begin to dehydrate and things begin to take place and their heart becomes weaker. And the fourth thing that happens to bodies, human bodies in a zero gravity environment is the skin becomes thinner. The skin becomes thinner. Astronauts have long said that their skin is drier and more prone to cuts and abrasions and infection when in space. I noticed that if I got a cut, it took a long time for it to heal, said one astronaut, Sunita Williams. We're not sure why that happens. A study published uh, in May of that year in the journal MPJ Microgravity found that three mice, three mice that spent three months on the International Space Station had thinner skin than mice found here on the earth. Studies in human bot humans have found similar results. In one study in 2006 and 2007, researchers found that German astronaut Thomas Ryder's skin was thinner and more stretchy when he returned from nearly 200 days in outer space. People with a zero gravity environment, like in space, lose muscle mass and bone density and the hearts become weaker and the skin becomes thinner. Amen. And, and I want to talk to you today about this, simp this simple thought, the resistance. Amen. The title of my message is the resistance. Amen. So oftentimes we can look at resistance in life. We can look at adverse situations in life and think, boy, I wish that would just go away. Boy, I wish things would just get easier for me. Boy, I sure do wish God would heal me of this sickness or, or this uh, take away this uh, thing that I'm dealing with in my life and help me to get back on my feet. Uh, and we are faced and we deal with resistance and we face our adverse situations uh, and opposition that comes against us uh, and not realizing, amen, that it is that resistance, it is that uh, opposition that we face that is the very thing that makes us strong. It is the very thing, amen, that keeps us grounded. It's the very thing that keeps us functioning as if we are intended to function. Amen. I want to preach about resistance in your life today on this Sunday morning. Amen. It's been said, amen, of people uh, today in perhaps not a very nice term, uh, 
but they've referred to the generation that we're living in today as the snowflake generation. They can't seem to handle adverse situations. They don't know what to do when somebody calls them a name. They don't know how to handle if they hear something that they don't agree with and they just fall apart like a snowflake hitting the ground. Amen. But the people of God are not called to be snowflakes. The people of God are not called to be wishy-washy, but the people of God... Amen. They will encounter many times in their walk with God resistance from the forces of hell. As you set out on your journey to live for God, as you set out on your journey to please God and to serve the Lord, there will be things that you face in your life that resist you and they fight you and they come against you and you pray, God, deliver me from this and God say, no, I sent you that storm. I sent you that whirlwind. I sent you that situation so that through the resistance you could become stronger in me and through the resistance that you face and the opposition that you encounter you would become stronger in the Lord and not weaker in God. Why don't we clap our hands and worship Him right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many believe, how many know that your battle, the battles you face, were sent to make you stronger? Amen. They were not sent to discourage you. The things that you face on a Sunday morning or a Saturday night. Amen. You're thinking, my God, why is this happening to me? My God, why am I still in this present condition? Amen. Could it be that the God of heaven has sent you a struggle? Could it be that the God of heaven has sent you some resistance? So you will learn to fight. So you will learn to overcome. So you will learn to build strength in Him. And have to rely upon the Lord. That is why the Apostle Paul said, I besought the Lord thrice that He would deliver me from this thorn in the flesh. This, uh, this, this uncomfortable thing that I had to deal with. I sought the Lord many times. God, take away this struggle. God, take away this condition in my body. God, take away, Lord, all these things. God, I don't want to deal with it. And the Lord spoke back to the Apostle Paul and said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. There's many times, amen, we don't realize, amen, that God is allowing things to happen in our lives. Amen. So that through in the struggle we can reach out to Him. Amen. Had it not been for the Lord sending some of you struggle. Amen. You would not be sitting in an apostolic church on a Sunday morning. But thanks be to God for the trials, for the struggles, for the mountains I face, for the sickness in my body, for the things in my family. Thanks be to God. Because if it had not been for the Lord moving in my life, I may not be here today. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We start out and we think, man, God is going to do great things in my life and through my life. And then we turn the corner and it seems like everything comes against us. All hell breaks loose in our family. And then the doctor gives us the worst report. You know, oftentimes you go to the doctor and they try to set expectations. They try to say, well, you could have cancer. And you're like, oh my gosh. Well, you, you might not be able to walk the rest of your life and think, oh my Lord, this is over. And you get the worst report. 
But if you will allow it to draw you to your knees and say, God, you are the great physician. You are the one that makes the rules and the devil still lives by the rules. God, you are the one that makes the rules. You're the one that's still in charge. And, and though I may not know what's happening around me, God, I know the nature, the character of God, the faithfulness of God. He is in control of my situation. And we need things to happen in our lives, amen, that will push us in the direction of the cross. We need things to happen in our lives sometimes. How many of people have come to church immediately after things fell apart in their lives? Because God allows sometimes the storms. So you would realize, you know what? I thought I was all right without God. But alas, I realized, I found out, God, I need you more than ever. God, I need you more than ever. God, it's the resistance that's in my life sometimes, God, that I need God to make me stronger, to fight this battle, to rely upon the Lord. And getting back to the opening of the scripture that we read in the book of 1 Samuel. Amen. Getting back to that man called David. Amen. Who the prophet Samuel anointed and who killed Goliath of Gath. Perhaps that young, amen, that young, ruddy, beautiful, countenance individual by the name of David. Amen. At the beginning of his life, he, everything was honky-dory. Everything was good. He's out there in the, in the fields and he's tending to the sheep and he's singing songs and he's, and he's playing his harp. And it, it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful story. Amen. We all want that for our children just to be happy and, and to play their instruments and to sing songs and just be joyful and not a care in the world. Right. And then David, one day, after going about his business, the prophet Samuel, the man of God, walks into his life. And says, God is going to put his hand upon your life from this day forward. God's going to use you, David. You're not going to be like all your brothers. You're not going to be like your family. You're not going to be like your, your, your neighbors and everyone else around you. I'm calling you, David, to be something special in the eyes of God. And David, his life is going great. And all of a sudden, God shows up with the man of God, shows up in his life. And then uh, God begins to move in David's life. And the anointing of God settles on David. And we know from studying the word of God that the day would come, amen, when David would go off to the field of battle where his brothers were to bring them cheese, to bring them some sustenance, that David would hear and he would see some giant off in the distance by the name of Goliath of Gath, taunting the people of God. And David, and we all know the story that David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And David, uh, to, to spare you some of the details, David takes out Goliath of Gath. Amen. That giant man, that, that huge individual with the, with the sword the, the size of a, of, a, of a beam. Amen. He's just this human, uh, just this human monster, just huge and large and just so intimidating and scary. And David takes him out. And perhaps David is thinking in his mind, this is where God is going to move in my life. I'm going to come out of obscurity. I'm going to come out from being in the, in the shepherd's field. And, and this is where I'm going to, they're going to put a crown on me and they're going to anoint me king. And I'm going to take over this place. And I'm going to show them how this thing should be run. Because my God, I'm anointed. The hand of God's on my life. This is how it's supposed to work. And oftentimes we think we know how things ought to go down. What God's going to do is he's going to bless me with a job. And then I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to get married. Then I'm going to, uh, I'm going to have a nice house. And, then, and we have it all. We think we've got it all figured out. Right. And God's just sitting back saying, go ahead and make your plans. Go ahead and make your plans. You're probably just chuckling, chuckling in the background. 
But David, anointed, call of God in his life, kills Goliath of Gath, and his life begins to spin out of control. Right. Not knowing what's happening in his life. Not really sure. The Bible tells us that uh, he would kill Goliath and uh, King Saul that was uh, reigning over the kingdom at that time would become very, very jealous of David and would begin to chase him uh, in, the, in the temple, uh, in the throne room where King Saul was. He would begin to throw his spear trying to kill that young man, David. And David finally realized, no, I've got to get out of this place. This is not a good place for me to be in. Amen. Everybody around there, the king himself is trying to take me out. And so David... Hits the road. And David is on the run. And David, that man that started out, amen, with an anointing, the call of God in his life. And he killed the lion, he killed the bear, and then he killed the giant Goliath of Gath. Now finds himself perhaps questioning, God, what is happening in my life? God, I thought you told me I was going to be king. God, I thought you anointed me. God, I thought you were with me. God, you didn't even protect me. That spear almost hit me. It almost took me out. And we, we look at things in our life and think, man, that, uh, if it hadn't been for me just having quick reflexes, I would have been goner. But God gave you the ability. Yes. And David finds himself on the run. And we read in the Word of God in 1 Samuel chapter 22 that King David, or David at the time, amen, finds himself the Bible says in 22 and verse 1, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Adullam. David finds himself in a cave, questioning, perhaps, and we'll read here in the book of Psalms in a few moments exactly what his prayer was. But David begins to get a hold of God in a cave. Some of us, we come to church, we feel the Holy Ghost, we feel God, God renews us, God moves in our lives. Everything's good. You go home and all hell breaks loose. It's so important that in that cave that you find yourself in, that place of adverse conditions, that you say, it's in my cave. It's in this dark place in my life when I've got questions. i got more questions than answers. Then I'm going to reach out to God and say, God, I'm going to put my trust in you. God, it's this resistance that I'm dealing with. It's this thing that's coming against me, God. That if I will allow it to, God, it will make me a stronger, more powerful servant of the Lord. God, it's in this test that I'm living in, that I'm going through. It's in this test of my faith that I will emerge with a testimony. And it's through the resistance in David's life that he had to find himself on his face before God in a dark, dingy cave when everybody deserted him, when he had more questions and answers and he found himself reaching out to God, coming back to that place of refuge, saying, God, one more time, give me the strength in my body. God, give me some answers. God, fix this problem in my life. And as we know from the Word of God, the Bible says that it was in that moment of his despair. It was in that moment of resistance in his life. It was in that moment when hell came against him and the dark clouds of oppression began to try to settle over him that David began to pray. David began to reach out to God. And when David began to do those things, the Bible says in 22 and 1, when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, 
they went down thither to them. God began to bring miracles in his storm. God began to bring his family back together. God began to work miracles in his family. Amen. That's something that we should rejoice about. That if we will find ourselves, if we ever find ourselves in a cave, a dark cave of despair with no answers, if we'll reach out to God instead of complaining and gossiping and telling somebody about, woe is me. Amen. The best thing you can do is find a place to pray and reach out to God. And if you will do those things, you will have miracles in your store. And God will move in your family's life. I fully believe that. The story would continue in verse number two. Verse number two. David in the cave reaches out to God. I'm not just making that up. We're going to read that in a few moments in the book of Psalms. David's prayer in that cave. David in a cave prays, reaches out to God. God begins to bring his family together. How important is your family to you today? How important is your family in your life? Is it important enough that when you find yourself at your darkest place, you realize, God, I've got to reach out to you for my family's sake if nothing else. God, I've got to call out to you. I've got to reach out to God and through the resistance that you face, you begin to push and forge that, that trail ahead and say, God, I'm going to go through this thing. I'm going to stop praying, God, take me out of this thing, God. I'm going to stop praying for escape from my storm, but God, I'm going to, with wisdom and with understanding, I'm going to pray, God, take me through this storm that I might be stronger, that I might have that testimony. That I might be able to help somebody else. Verse number two. And everyone that was in distress. And everyone that was in debt. And everyone that was discontented. One preacher said. Broke, busted, and disgusted. (laughs) Amen. Just just messed up. Broke, busted, and disgusted. Everybody that uh, that was busted. Everybody that was broke. Everybody that was disgusted with life, they found their way to David. We heard David's in the cave. Could it be? Could it be that they realized the king that we're currently serving, King Saul, that wicked king, amen, we, we, we realize, amen, we're in bondage, amen, there's a dark cloud of oppression over our lives. And look over there, David, yeah, he may not have everything yet, but in his heart of hearts, in his soul, there's victory, there's joy, there's deliverance, there's life, there's peace in David's life. And the broke, the busted, and the disgusted said, I'm going to come out of the oppressive, wicked king of Saul, and I'm going to serve a new king. But there must be a point in your life where you get fed up, you get disgusted with serving the gods of this world. You you realize it's taken everything from me. It's taken my money. It's taken my family. It's still my joy. It's taken my mind. I'm going to serve a new king. There must be the leaving of one kingdom that I might enter into a new kingdom. There must be. There cannot be this, uh, I'm holding hands with one king, King Saul, but I, I like King David too, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of go between the both. 
It's I'm going to leave the wicked reign of King Saul and I'm going to join myself to a, to a heavenly kingdom. I'm going to join myself to a righteous king. I want to tell you today, God's going to move here in a few moments in this altar call. And you're going to have to make decisions. Am I going to reject the old ways? Am I going to forego the old uh, subservience to the old king in my life? Uh, the king, the God of this world. And am I going to serve the Lord? Amen. There has to be a leaving of one to go to the other. And you've got to get fed up with the world. So many people that come to church and, well, I'm just looking for a quick fix. I'm just looking for help to get me through my struggle. But it's, you've got to get fed up. You've got to get fed up with the godless world. I'm sick and tired of sin trying to wreck my family, trying to wreck my life. I'm going to serve the Lord. They had to turn away from the evil influence of Saul to be subject to the authority of David. And this is what God requires from all those who identify themselves with him. Is there has to be a rejecting of self. A rejecting, yeah, your family, yeah, your, your lineage may have done it one way all of your life. And that may be all that you know. But suddenly you come to an apostolic church and you encounter something that's more powerful. Something that's more real. You encounter some real joy. And you've got to make choices. There's got to be decisions. Hallelujah, hallelujah. There's got to be the decision. The cutting away of the alternative. The cutting away of the options. This is the life I'm going to live. This is where I'm going to commit myself to God. 2 Samuel chapter 3 and verse number 1 says, Now there was long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. That struggle would continue for many years. That struggle would continue in his life. But the Bible says in 2 Samuel 3 and 1, But David waxed stronger and stronger. And the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker. That resistance, that struggle that David faced wasn't making him weaker. You think the things you're dealing with today is making you weaker. You feel like perhaps I can't go on. I don't know if I can do this. But it's in that fight. It's in that hitting of the knees on the floor, reaching out to God time after time. Where you begin to get the strength that you need to live for God. And God begins to fight your battles. You have got to realize that resistance. Amen. David was not ready. Amen. As a young man to lead an entire nation. David was not ready. Amen. To, to get behind the throne. Amen. Uh, he was not ready to lead, to lead that nation. But he still needed preparation. And God has spoken to many lives in here. And God has said I'm going to use you. And I'm going to do great things in your life and in your family's life. But there is still yet more preparation perhaps that God has in store for you. So that when you do step, amen, behind a Bible study charter, you step behind the pulpit. Or you step behind a microphone. Or you step behind the drums or the keyboard. You step behind it with a certain authority. With a certain understanding. That I'm going to worship the Lord. No matter how I feel. I'm going to give you praise and glory and honor today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Gene Edwards. Thank you, Lord. 
in A Tale of Three Kings. Gene Edwards, A Tale of Three Kings, says there were in those, there in those caves, drowned in the sorrow of his song and in the song of his sorrow. David became the greatest songwriter and the greatest comforter of broken hearts this world shall ever know. How many times have you gone to the book of Psalms to find comfort? I've gone, I've gone so many times I've lost count. But somebody had to go through something that you might be comforted. And God hasn't changed. He still works in the same manner. He still works in the same way. There's going to be things that you go through in your life so that one day you can help somebody else. Though we are impulsive and impetuous, God is never in a hurry. We're so bold and we're so impetuous sometimes we think God ought to do it now. We get impulsive. But God is never in a hurry and God intended to give David some apprehension of the character of his own heart and to cause him to learn subjection to a greater wisdom than his own. It was in those caves, it was in those struggles, it was in those trials that he had to go back to his knees before God and say, God, I need some wisdom. God, I need some grace. I need some help today. And he had to learn some things. Many other characters in the Bible have encountered, amen, resistance in their lives. We can read about the story of Joseph who had visions of grandeur, dreams from heaven, finds himself in prison, finds himself locked up. Abraham's descendants, amen, full of promise, children of promise, find themselves in the brick kilns of Egypt wondering, I thought we were children of promise. I thought there was a promise on my life. Here I am as a slave making bricks. Daniel, the prophet of God in the lion's den, wondering, wow, how did this work out? How did I end up here in a den of lions? Jonah, prophet of God, in the belly of a whale, encountering resistance. Jesus himself, one day, according to the Gospel of John, finds himself buried in a cave, disciples wondering, I I thought he was the Messiah. I thought he was going to reign. I thought this and I thought that. And and wait, I, I, I don't understand what's happening in my life. The God that I served, been fallen for three and a half years, is in a cave, dead, no life in him. The Apostle Paul clinging to shipwrecked debris in the sea, fighting for his life. Thought the hand of God was on my life. Paul, I thought that you were an apostle. Paul, I thought that you said God had his hand on your life. Paul, I thought that you told me to trust in God. And look at you, Paul. You're clinging to some shipwrecked debris in the sea. Why don't we stand to our feet as the musicians come? Hallelujah. There are things that we will encounter in this life that if we will allow it to, I believe it's in the book of Job, that he says, when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. When he hath tried me, 
when I've gone through resistance in my life, when I'm dealing with things in my life that don't make sense, I will trust in the Lord. A few moments ago, I mentioned David's prayer in the cave of Adullam, that dark, depressive cave when it seemed like everything was coming against him. I don't know if you've ever been in a cave, but you can feel claustrophobic really quickly. You can feel so just, just, uh, you feel terrible. It's it just like everything's coming against you. Like, I got to get out of here. I got I to breathe. And David finds himself just, just tucked away, just, just hidden, just oppressed. And he could not move because if he went outside that cave, they would see him and they would kill him. David just hunched over all of hell coming against him. David begins to pray. Psalms 57. Before verse number one, it's not going to be on your screen, but if you have a Bible, you can read it. It gives you the scenario, the background of this particular chapter. Psalms chapter 57. It says this, To the chief musician, Altashith, Miktam of David, when he fled from Saul, in the cave. 57 is his prayer. Be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful, for my soul trusteth in thee. God, I am trusting in you today. My confidence is in you, God. For my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. I will cry unto God, most high, unto God, that performeth all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him, King Saul, that would swallow me up. Selah. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. My soul is among lions and I lie even among them that are set on fire, even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. But number five, be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. In that dark, depressive place in his life, when all of hell came against him and that greatest force of resistance, God be exalted. God be praised. I trust in you, God. God, I'm reaching out to you like never before. I'm reaching out to you. Let the glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps, God. I know that if I exit this cave, they've already set a trap for me, God. It's over for me. My soul is bowed down. They have digged a pit before me. Into the midst whereof they are fallen themselves. Selah. Verse number 7. My heart is fixed. I don't know if it ever took place previously in David's life. But he reached a point in his life in a dark cave of resistance. Where he said, my heart is fixed. I am determined in my soul, Sister Lisa. I'm going through this thing. I'm determined. My mind is made up. My heart is fixed. I'm never going to give up. Even when I exit, 
Even when I exit my storm, my heart is fixed. Yes. I, I'm determined in my soul, in my mind, in my heart of hearts. There's got to be a determination that says, my heart is fixed. Somebody needs to say that prayer this morning, God. My heart is fixed, God. God, I may be going through some things in my life right now. I may got more questions than answers, God. I may be broke, busted, and disgusted, but my heart is fixed on God. My heart is fixed on the Lord. I will sing and give praise. Sometimes you got to praise Him with questions. Sometimes you got to praise Him. Amen with with sickness in your body. You just got to praise Him. Awake up my glory. Awake psaltery and harp. I myself will awake early. I will praise Thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto Thee among the nations. For Thy mercy is great unto the heavens and Thy truth unto the clouds. Be Thou exalted, O God, above the heavens and let Thy glory be above all the earth. Amen. He was in that place. Amen. That David found himself in that place of greatest resistance that he realized. Amen. My trust has to be in God. And more than ever before, I've got to have made a mind to live for God so that the world may see, that the world may know, that they may hear, that there's a God in heaven. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. A few chapters later, David would cry out another prayer. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. You can look at your cave. You can look at your situation and think, what kind of thing did I do to deserve this punishment? Instead, you can, you can view it as shelter from the king. Instead of viewing your trial as some, some miserable thing you've got to endure, amen, you can begin to thank God. Thank you, God, for my trial. Thank you, God, for the cave. Thank you, God, for the struggle. Thank you for the trial in my life. Thank you for the shelter from my enemy. That thing that he thought was punishment was actually sheltered from his enemy. That thing in your life, you think, why am I dealing with this? I'm, I'm, I'm upset. I'm distraught. It's not punishment, somebody. It's shelter. Shelter in the storm. It's miracles in your storm. It's miracles in your storm. If you will learn to cry out to God and fix your heart get that determination in your soul and then just praise him through and worship him through why don't we take our neighbor by the hand all across this building grab your neighbor hold their hand we're going to pray we're going to ask the Lord to talk right now to move in this place join up with your neighbor amen all across this building let's reach out to God why don't you call out the name of the person next to you and begin to say God give my brother give my sister the strength right now Lord 
God, I pray, Lord, that you would help somebody here today, God. I pray, God, that through the resistance, through the things that they're facing today, God, let them begin to do the struggle, Lord, not as punishment, but as shelter from the storm. As we sing it to the Lord, let's lift up our voices.
Solo vos, Papá.